You're listening to the YWAM Nashville Podcast. My name's Cody. My name's Michael, and we'll be your hosts for this season. Welcome to episode 11, right? Yep, episode 11. I feel like it's been a long time since I've said such a thing. I don't know. Yeah. I'm <laughs> not sure why I have that feeling, but... Michael and his wife, Alina, left last week for um, some vacation time. And so, like you heard in the last episode, if you're listening to these chronologically, we <laughs> just did two of them like consecutively, like yeah. one after the other. And then... Uh, We've been gone like two weeks without doing one, so yep, it's been so a while. Here we are, here we are, and yep. I didn't even say that in the last one. Yeah, so it's crazy craziness. But yep, it's been a busy time around here, and we can talk about all the happenings later. But uh, here we are, episode eleven. We're well, pretty stoked about this today. Our guest is us <laughs> and the Holy Spirit. Hopefully. Yeah, so we were praying about it. We didn't. We didn't get a word from the Lord on any specific person to have. We kind of thought maybe there were a few people that we could invite, but in the end we were feeling like we had a lot to say on this topic and the reason he didn't tell us anyone was because he just wanted us to do it on our own and to stop being stubborn and prideful and saying that <laughs> we need to have someone else, Yeah, at least for this specific episode. So we just had a lot to say and we felt like Having someone else here anyways, after having so much difficulty trying to figure out, would just be like, hey, can you come and sit in while we talk? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. what's the point? Yeah, and I think we were, li- like, we like having people on, and we like, I don't know, I guess we, yeah, we like having, you know, other personalities yeah, to kind of come in. It's a lot more fun having an extra person. Yeah, but. and so I think we were reluctant to um, go after it and do another episode with just us, but we yeah. felt like that's what the Lord was highlighting and yeah. we've been talking about the things and I'm actually really excited about it. Yeah, now. this is this is a topic that both of us talk about with our friends and just between us. Yeah. Almost much. daily. <laughs> Pretty much always. So, this has been an episode long in the making and we're excited to present to you Kingdom Culture, part 1 of a two-part series on culture, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. We're <laughs> yeah. just going to we're going to talk about Kingdom Culture this week. And then uh, also today, but won't come out for another week, <laughs> we're going to record part two, which will be on American culture and how that's different from kingdom culture. And uh, it's going to be challenging because there's a lot of polarized issues wrapped up in our culture, mm-hmm. which we'll get to when we talk about our culture. But this week, we're just going to talk about Jesus and what it would look like if he was king. Come here on. physically come on right now like he's gonna be for a thousand years according to the bible i don't know it's what revelation. that even means <laughs> but it says it's gonna happen so yeah i anyways what does that look like but before we jump into that did you know i have a friend who has no body and no nose i did not do you know what we call him what do you call him Nobody knows. Oh, snap. <laughs> there it is. Gotcha. There it is. <laughs> Sneak attack. Oh. <laughs> Just get him with the one, two. Yeah. Got to watch out for those. 
where it starts off all conversational. It's not like, what do you get when it's like, just like flows into it. Yeah. I call that Brent style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, I, is the, this, okay, it's a joke, I guess. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You got to watch out for that like little side smile he does, you know? Yeah. He's like, eh, eh. <laughs> oh, man, there it is. Kind of like Cardi B's sister, who's an athletic trainer. Yeah. Cardio. Oh, golly gee. <laughs> Got you again. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> Two and oh. Two. All righty. So, thinking about current events. Psych. Um, what? I was just, we switched it around. So. Oh, psych. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, thinking about current events, uh, we decided that the term current events wasn't even actually accurate to what we had in mind originally. Yeah. So we've decided to change that whole segment to now be prayer points. Prayer points. Because it's not actually current most of the time. It's usually like a week ago or more current, (laughs) you know? So (laughs) like the world's ending and we just don't say anything about it in that week's (laughs) podcast because we recorded a week before. (laughs) Yeah. So we just don't want to have any of those scenarios. And also it's not like we're actually doing news. We're just like kind of highlighting significant things that could be prayed for that uh, happen here that we hear about. So we thought maybe prayer points would be a better title and also like remind you to pray for the things. Yeah, because we don't want to just be like, well, this sucks and that's it. You know, yeah. it's like, hey, this terrible thing's happening. Like Nigerians are being Nigerian Christians are being persecuted. Like we should pray for them. That kind yeah. of thing. Which that is a thing. That is a thing. It is happening. Yes. But exactly. It's like prayer points. And a lot of times they'll be like relevant to yeah. larger things that are going on. But we're not don't like, even we're not sharing news like that's not yeah. necessarily the point. Yeah. So, and if I would say anything about that, I would say, don't pray that the persecution would end, but that the church would grow so much under the persecution that it would change the nation to the point at which persecution isn't an issue anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like the Acts church, which is the reason that we're even here talking about this right now. Yep. It seems like the church actually tends to thrive under persecution, which is a really interesting... We could use a little more of that. Is an interesting in the thing. States. Actually, um, I feel like we've had to struggle with a lot as a church body here in the States recently, a lot more than usual. Like, we can't just go to church and then go home anymore. Like, you have to do community or don't do church, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Well, I guess you could just watch it from home, but... I don't know. There's a little more engagement happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it tends to just do with, like, the fact that we tend to like comfort, which we're actually going to talk about all these kind of things. But episode. we tend to like and prefer comfort, and those things lead to complacency within that and a lack of intentionality. It's like uh-huh. I go to church or something and participate in these things because I have to versus, like, Jesus is worthy of me risking everything to like connect yeah. with the body and to worship him and to read the Bible and to do whatever. And so there's, th- it like has a lot more value in of itself. Yeah. It's not that we want persecution. Yeah. It's that we want 
the engagement with God that comes from discomfort. Yeah. And, yeah, he doesn't go out of his way to keep us away from things that are uncomfortable because he knows that we can grow through that, like, in general. But, anyways. In fact, he promises there will be a trouble, lack of comfort and persecution. But take heart. I have so, overcome the world. Exactly. So, pray for all right, all the things. For Nigeria and for us. Yeah. Our country, our church. Count it all joy. Amen. All so, right. today we're going to be talking about the culture of the kingdom of heaven. So, if Jesus was our actual physical governmental monarch, what would that look like? What what kind of culture would that cultivate? What kinds of values would we have as a society? And the reason that these things are worth talking about is because we are not simply citizens of whatever country we live in anymore. Like, if you've moved into the kingdom of heaven, you are now a citizen of heaven yeah. living on earth. Yeah. So as much as I live in the United States, my loyalty is first to heaven and first to my citizenship there. And I just live here. Yep. So we need to know what the culture is and what the culture, sh what the culture is basically of the country that we are becoming citizens of, you know, like when people want to get a citizenship here in the States, they have to learn about our culture and our history and the way our government works. Basically what we're going to be doing for kingdom culture. So where are we starting off at here, Michael? Well, <laughs> there's so much. <laughs> yeah. I think also just noting that like this is not any kind of exhaustive list. Um, and just, I don't know, all the disclaimers basically. This This is not an exhaustive list. There are more things. This is not like the depth of even these handful of things that we talk about. Yeah. And this is not like the hundred percent like this is the definitive definition. Yeah. 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 And so this is yeah. just things that we see and we've noticed. Um and yeah, us just kind of seeing how that lays out practically. Yeah, so. and you can you can look at the Bible and the values of Jesus for yourself and be like like, you do have the authority to read scriptures yourself and make decisions about what the kingdom culture looks like. We just want to kind of highlight some areas we see where the kingdom culture doesn't look like Earth's culture and, like, bringing a spotlight to those things. Mm -hmm. That being said, culture is such a huge topic. Like, we tried yeah. to look up culture and just, <laughs> yeah. like, get an idea of what we're going to be talking about. And it was like, um... Everything so that people think and do and believe basically is what it boiled down to. And I'm like, how do we, I don't even know, but so it's like, yeah, culture can be defined as, um, it's like a collection of like people's underlying beliefs as a society. It's like, do you, do you have a definition there that you want to read? You kind of making that face. Uh, I, you were hitting a lot of it. Oh, I do have okay. that one, but. All right, well, okay, I'll, you can just clean up whatever I miss. But I was thinking, uh, what I remember is culture was defined as like a group of people with shared underlying beliefs, values, 
um, kind of opinions about the way life works. It's like a lens for viewing reality that you don't even necessarily realize or can define. It's just part of your general society's like accepted views, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it's also defined as like the food, the art, art entertainment, entertainment, kind of all the, the history that, yeah, that, that of a specific people group. Basically, it's everything that defines one people group from the next people group. Yeah. So you even have so many different cultures within a country, you know, mm -hmm. like the borders that we draw around countries are defined by people. But then the groups of people within that are more defined by culture. Yeah. And I think that's even more important than nationality is like ethnicity. Like this idea mm -hmm. of like, I come from a certain group of people that believe this way. And so that's naturally how I'm going to view life is through this lens of generally agreed upon principles and yeah. um, understandings from my group of people and like our background, um, the kinds of traditions and, you know, things we have. So. Yeah. It's, I mean, as an example, like on a world scale, like our culture is quite a bit different than like Eastern Asian culture. Like they yeah. think differently. They have different values. There's different things that are important to them. Um, or within, like you're saying, even within America, you have different cultures on the coasts. You have like, I hear yeah. people refer to like Southern culture versus northern culture like i these you know <laughs> lots of different things and like just compare california to texas yeah and like you got people are going to think right different they're going to have different values and so and then like their art will be different their food will be different like all, everything that that plays out into basically um will look a little different and there's always like a blending of those things it's never like yeah you can't super you know like lump people into that but it's more of a generalized like which is also why know. it's so hard to define yeah, because nobody's nobody has like, nobody has like a written down definition of this is my culture. You yeah. know, it's kind of just ingrained in your very being. Like, doesn't everybody think this way? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no. Man, oh man. So, culture, yeah, being kind of, yeah, the different like flavors of beliefs flavors. and things that we have. Um, and so. If there was ever a Neapolitan, it's America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think we'll kind of, in the next episode, we'll kind of dive into, like, American culture in particular. But, yeah, yeah, this week we'll start with the kingdom Back culture. Back to the kingdom. And just what we see that the values and, and different flavors that things take are. The upside-down kingdom. Aye. The kingdom of God. So, uh, I think starting off, we have to note the underlying philosophy. So philosophy being kind of in a sense related to culture, but kind of different in definition. So like yeah. philosophy would be like, you're like root underlying assumptions about life and everything. And it's like, it is literally the lens that you're viewing everything through. And then culture is like kind of the next layer out mm -hmm. and like how that like plays out basically. So it's like yeah. philosophy would be like the roots of the tree and the culture would be like, kind of like the branches branching out from that yeah know? like two different people groups can have the same philosophy but different culture built on top of that yeah exactly so and you see that like within 
even like the church, for instance, has different church communities have different cultures, even though they claim like, you know, to believe that Jesus is the center of everything. Yeah. Some have different emphasis emphases on this or that or the other thing. So Yeah. Which isn't bad except where yeah. it differentiates except where it differs from <laughs> my mom went to college. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but where it differs from the kingdom. Which thankfully the kingdom of heaven is super easy to define the values of. Yep. Because it's literally written down. Yeah. Like the entire purpose of the Bible was Jesus is like, I want you to know what my values are and what you're stepping into when you agree to relationship with me and to operating under my authority. Mm-hmm. Like this is what it looks like to be in my kingdom. So we literally have a written like, this is the culture of heaven. Yeah. So. It's so good. Um. So what's the underlying philosophy then, would you say, of the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, we were thinking about this, and I think we just came down to love. Yeah. Like, wow, shocker. Everything is because of the Lord's love. Like that, you have to start with that. And a lot of people, it would seem, don't start with that. And we can get into all that stuff later. But even within the church, like a lot of times that isn't the foundation. But the foundation is like that God loves us. And cares for us, you know, and everything that that looks like, which we can break down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, we should probably define the kingdom of heaven as like, when we see Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven, it's like this idea of being adopted into the family of God. Mm. And so the kingdom of heaven right now isn't a physical place, uh, except like everywhere where a child of God is, where someone who is in obedience and under the lordship of Jesus Christ and in relationship with God, wherever they are is where the kingdom of heaven is. Yeah, It's like within the people of God. It's like if you've ever seen a movie where it's like, um, their nation is destroyed, but they're like, our people will live on. And it's yeah. like, they're still that nation. They're just like, they don't have a country anymore. That's basically us. Yeah. We're like, you know, this will eventually be our country. Like everything that is will eventually be under the authority of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But while we're waiting for his full reign and his full dominion to come back, we are the kingdom of heaven. So when we talk about that, we're talking about the church not the building, not the organization, but like the people and the ones who really have relationship with Jesus and are part of the church. Like they are the church. They are the kingdom. We're talking about kingdom culture. It means this is and should be the culture of people who identify as children of God. Yeah. So um, someday it will be a physical place. Right now it's just this kind of... uh, like an ideal that's carried within the hearts of people who identify with Jesus. Yeah. On some level, it's kind of hard to talk about all these things because they're like so deep and literally touch on everything. Yeah. But I did uh, a study once on like, like what the kingdom of heaven was talking about when Jesus talked about it. And um, it was like, basically what I, what I found was it specifically refers to like the presence of God, like wherever the presence of God is like, is considered the kingdom of heaven. And so like you're saying, if he is in us and residing in us, Mm -hmm. then 
he's there and then these values are going to start taking shape whether in us specifically yeah. or like around us as as we go and interact with things like that's one thing i wanted to note about culture actually is that um it kind of breeds itself like cultures like keep rebuilding themselves basically yeah thankfully our standard for culture never changes because god is always the same i so as much as like we kind of delineate in some of the ways that we come from that culture um the root of the culture stays the same and uh i think we should also define kingdom since we've defined culture and we're talking about kingdom culture yep kingdom is king's domain and it means everywhere where the king has authority yep. like every physical space where the king is the ruler so good so if so god if has you. authority in your heart you're part of his kingdom come on the king's domain so i think uh if you were saying love is the roots of the tree if that's the philosophy the baseline for the culture then what i would say would be the trunk you know, that's like the segue for that to come and exist and like take effect is relationship. And so we see that all throughout the Bible, like God is constantly searching for relationship. And Jesus yeah. came and was like talking all about how it's about relationship. And so you have this uh, interesting moment with with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis where where God like set it up in the sense of, you can be with me and you you cannot discern good and evil on your own but you can be with me and i will teach you and i will show you and we can walk together and i'll in a sense disciple you in life and uh that'll be your baseline for everything but they chose uh to they chose a distance instead and they chose to try to figure thing, things out outside of that relationship and figure things out for themselves. And so, but yeah, so the, the heart of the Lord and everything is relationship. Like that love, that underlying philosophy of love, like plays out in his desiring relationship and everything coming through relationship, like salvation coming through relationship. And so, yeah. So kingdom being centered around love and God being love didn't God, like, come here as a person and, like, set some kind of precedent for what perfect love looks like? You know, I think you might have. Yeah. Do you do you remember what that looks like? Could you share with us a bit? Uh, I mean, it looks like a whole bunch of things. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, yeah, I mean, again, and to touch on the last thing, if the trunk is is relationship, like, we see the Lord's heart constantly through how he relates to us. And he does that in a whole heck of a lot of ways um, and basically defines what love looks like for us via how he relates to us. And so, yeah, I don't know. We just see that that love is, isn't based on performance. It's not based on um, feelings, feelings, it's not based on, like, it's a very objective, like, God's like, you are mine and I made you. Like, we see this idea in Genesis of, like, yeah. I made you in my image. Like, yeah. 
like that's where your inherent value is like Come regardless on. of what you do what it looks like like you are my son you know and you see this with the prodigal son too like the son leaves period disowns the father but the father's not like well you're not my son anymore he's like no that's still my son like he's yeah, out there like, doing you whatever. hurt my feelings <laughs> yeah and so we see this like really objective like god being like no this is what you are defined as because he's literally the definition of reality and so jesus comes in and is basically showing us the heart of the father because he's like basically like god is relating oh, yeah, to guy. us yeah Yes, yes, Jesus (laughs) is the one we are referring to. But we see all throughout the Bible where God is like trying, like is relating to the people and he's trying to get their attention, all this stuff. And at some point it was like, all right, like Jesus, a.k.a. me, God, (laughs) going down. (laughs) He's coming. Let me me give you uh, just a metaphor for Jesus that was super like illuminating for me at one point. Um, so God is other than us, right? Like, yeah, he's not like us. His thoughts are infinitely greater. He's uncreated. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. We can't even begin to grasp the concept of God. We have like these words for it that these words for him that don't really mean a lot if we don't already have this cultural interpretation of them. But so the way God crosses the gap and solves the problem of how do I communicate with people who aren't like me and are so infinitely narrow by comparison. Mm. And um, the way that God communicates to us because he values communication and love is communication is Jesus is the translation of like the love of God into humanity. Like if humanity is a language and like relating to us, is important to him and he needs to figure out how to do that in a way that we can understand like his translation of everything that he is and like his love the way that he chose to do that was through this whole story from genesis to revelation and like the translation of god into human terms is jesus like he is the translation of love into humanity so you can think about it that way super deep yeah I've literally never thought of it like that. Yeah. And so in Jesus, we see a ton of different things for what love looks like. Uh, We see that he is absolutely willing to confront complacency, apathy, um, and these different things. In love. In love and from a place of calling people higher, from a place of, like he said, he came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so there's this whole aspect, not only in his death, but in his life as well where he's like calling people to life pretty much constantly yeah and so there's a willingness to confront there's a sacrificial aspect where you're like where he's willing to give up himself he's willing to step out of his perfect like relationship in the trinity come down and step into one of our bodies so he probably got sick and probably had you crazy know, gas yeah <laughs> like who knows what goes through Holy the things that we go going through going on yeah and then <laughs> and then aside from that like going through like torture and and abandonment and all these different things um and so yeah we see this aspect of sacrifice we see forgiveness and him talking about like turning the other cheek and then actually ex- exemplifying that to us uh by what he was doing and even as people are 
doing just such horrific things to him. He's like, forgive them for they know not what they do, which is yeah. still baffling my mind. Yeah, it's crazy. And we see like a surrender to what the father wants. He's like, not my will, but yours, you know? And so there's this whole, there's all these different aspects that are just so like, love is giving yourself wholly and completely yeah. to the father and what his, you know, what While he wants. We're while we're talking about Jesus, though, what would you say? Um, I have heard the argument given before, like, well, that's Jesus, though. Like, he was God. Like, you don't really expect me to live up to those standards, do you? Like, what would Jesus say to such things? Well, basically, Jesus is is constantly trying to be an example for us. Like, he's constantly looking at his disciples, and the whole time he's here, he's like, this is, what it, this is how it's done. This is what it should look like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is. He never once says, like, I'm on a different plane than you. Yeah. Even for the like some of the hardest stuff of like suffering, we might be like, well, I'm not called to die like he was. And he was like, no, you got to pick up your cross and follow me. And he was like, well, he says, die to yourself as well. Yeah, and die to yourself and all these different things. And or so maybe that was just Paul, but either you way, you take. Well, no, he does too. Oh, okay. And so there's this whole just aspect of him, like like he never gives us an excuse to do anything else. And in fact, he's like, he talks about us like. And he brings in this whole discipleship thing, which is about us becoming like him and conforming to his image. And then you have like Paul, who's like, I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, you yeah. know? And then you have in First Corinthians, it's like, I'm not my own any longer. I was bought at a price. Like, there's this whole aspect of like, it's not me. Like, it's Jesus. I'm called to the same standard as Jesus. Like, Jesus set the standard of what life here is supposed to look like. And we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, are called to live that life and at that standard. Yeah. And he works that into us. And so, basically, there's no excuse. You won't be able to find an excuse biblically. But you can, you find, can find a whole lot of yeah. stuff on the side. You can that's find like, <laughs> plenty of times Jesus is like, this is how you should do it. Yeah. But you don't ever find a point where he's like, this is only me. In fact, he says you will do greater things than these. Yeah, which is nuts. And his disciples were killed in even more horrific, arguably, ways than he was. Yeah. Aside from maybe being betrayed by literally everyone. But, <laughs> yeah. You know. So, God's version of love is crazy and is so good. And, yeah. So, backtrack just a sec. You didn't hear that part we just cut out, but got a little ahead of ourselves. We wanted to talk about, um, since we kind of just named a few of these values of jesus how those uh play out in the kingdom yeah like what that looks like in relation to other people within the kingdom and people who are not inside the kingdom like what that looks like in our culture so first we'll start with like how how willing jesus is to confront people now in american culture we won't get into too much but confrontation sounds like a bad thing and it usually is because people are like polarized and it's like more like beating someone over the head and trying to get them to believe what you do than it is actually coming from love. Yeah. But confrontation, when done for the right reasons and in the right way, is actually a really loving thing to do. Like if you know that someone is about to burn their hand on a hot stove and you don't say anything and they burn their hand, is that being loving? It's not. It just isn't. And so there's like... A lot of ways, especially in dealing with, like, 
the Pharisees and other such hard-hearted people where Jesus like finds the one thing that's keeping them from growing in him. And he's like challenges them there directly Mm -hmm. and they either change or they walk away sad or frustrated or angry, but he's okay with that. He's like, I would rather challenge you and you walk away than miss this opportunity for you to grow as a person. Yeah. Like he has a higher value for them as a person than he does even for his relationship with them. Like that's the extent of his love. Come on. So loving confrontation is a value of the kingdom culture. True debt. True debt. You want to talk to us about what sacrifice looks like in the kingdom, Michael? Yeah, so I think in the same way uh, that Jesus gave himself, there's this idea of of sacrifice for others, and you're, you're putting more value in others and less in yourself. You're looking at, like, more objectively, like, what can I give? And there's this whole aspect that is crazy to me, that God is constantly giving of himself, like, we don't deserve it on any level, and he just constantly goes over and above, which is what grace is, and, and gives us far more than than we ever deserve or anything. And so I think in the same way, like modeling that uh, is something that, that just happens when the kingdom of heaven is there. Like we're constantly sacrificing. One, one of my favorite stories, I forget uh, entirely where it is. I want to say maybe Galatians. Um, but it talks about people who like, even in their poverty, uh, like they would give and give like crazily um, in crazy ways would give above and beyond what, what they even had. I think um, that's Ephesians maybe. Maybe. I think he was talking about the Galatians. Oh. Like I think it was the Ephesians, but he was talking about somebody else. And he was gotcha. like, these people. But anyways, so – yeah, so there's this whole idea of like just giving of yourself for the sake of others and that just being a value, which you might be like, why is that a value? And it's like, well, because God values that and we should be darn grateful for it because mm-hmm. that's how he relates to us and just out of his goodness. And so yeah, like, that just happens when you're in the kingdom culture, you know, and you have that. There was a couple times where the Pharisees were complaining because Jesus was breaking their rules and he tells them something interesting like on multiple occasions he's like but he's one time he tells them go and figure out what this means in Matthew I desire compassion and not sacrifice Mm. and then later they're complaining again and he's like but if you knew what this means I desire compassion and not sacrifice you would not accuse the innocent yeah and um I think what he's saying there uh because there is sacrifice in love. So he's not saying he doesn't want sacrifice in and of itself. He's saying he doesn't want sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice. Yeah. Like, I think, I could be wrong because this is where I'm moving into my understanding, but I think compassion is, it's like mercy that's willing to do something. So there's like an aspect of I'm sac- I'm giving of myself. I'm sacrificing because I'm moved by your situation mm. is what he's saying. Yeah. So like the kind of sacrifice we're talking about is the kind that's motivated by compassion. Yeah. Like you see the situation that someone is in and because you're so moved by love, you cannot help 
but move to assist that person, to bring them up, to lift them up. So that's the kind of sacrifice that comes from love, is not I'm being holy because I'm giving things up. It's I see your condition. It moves me. I want to do something about it. Yeah, come on. And there's such a, like, like a caring thing. Like, it's on the level of, like, somebody laying their life down for yeah, somebody literally. else, you know, which Jesus talks about. He's like, yeah. greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And so everybody thinks it's great, like, if, you know, a dad saves his child at, at the risk of himself and his own peril or, you know, and those kind of things. And so it's that same kind of kind of idea, but it actually in the kingdom not only applies to those that we love but and to those that we're close to and to those relationships that benefit us but it looks so far beyond that like jesus is on the cross sacrificing himself and is caring about the people who are doing it to him and even says forgive them and goes through this whole thing knowing that most of these people probably won't ever think twice about this or be they will continue to hate him yeah. till their dying breath and so but he still comes knowing that uh, like he said, like many will will search for the kingdom, but few will actually find it. And so he has this understanding, but he still puts himself out there. And so it's not yeah. it's not in some way for the sense of reward. It's just for like he's like, man, I'm so moved by you, like you said, and I like got to do anything I can to like get in here, you know? Yeah, there's a there's a grace for missing the target. Like we're not saved by our works. Yeah. And he's paid the price for our weakness, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't aim for the target. Mm. Like our standard of sacrifice and of love, if you think about your very worst enemy, the person who hates you the most, would you, would you, if you knew that they would not survive or they would not make it to heaven unless you gave your entire life for them, would you do it? That is the standard that we are aiming for. I'm not saying we'll hit that mark, but that is what we should aim to achieve. So, and then there's forgiveness. Oh, buddy. Can you just repeat what you were telling me earlier about forgiveness? Yeah, so I think a lot of times we use this word forgiveness and we talk about forgiveness, but in reality, we don't. In, in our day and age and with the way that we often view God and the gospel, we, we kind of leave out our need for mercy. And so it's this interesting thing where we've kind of lost, I think, some of the power of it. But uh, mercy literally looks like mercy being forgiveness and not getting what you deserve and it being wiped clean. And so there's this idea that you see all throughout Scripture where God's like, I will separate you. From everything you've done, because I do not define you by what you've done. Even though you might define yourself like that, I do not define you like that. And so there's this complete removal, as if it never happened. Like, to the extent that you have done absolutely the most unthinkable things, and God is there like, hey, just come be with me. Like, I will forgive and forget all of this if you just leave all of it behind and come and be with me. It doesn't mean you get to continue in that, but it means that you are stepping out of your relationship with the world that's unhealthy in this way, and you step into relationship with him. And so it's like, and and we all need this, and this is 
such a key thing because Jesus talks about like if you've broken a single one of the laws, then you've broken the whole law. And so you're as guilty as anybody else. So, and then Jesus also steps up this whole standard. Like if you even lust after a woman, you've committed adultery. So you thinking that that girl looks good in those tight jeans is the same as you cheating on your wife or however that goes. Or you, like Jesus says, if you were even angry at your brother and you call, you say that you're a fool and you're whatever and you're whatever, then you are guilty of hellfire and you've committed murder in your heart. So like, like you being angry at your brother is on the same level as like Hitler actually killing people. So you have this whole like standard that Jesus sets of like, he's looking at your heart. Like what is in your heart? And a lot of times we like to throw that out and be like, well, it's about the heart. It's not about, but that's like a whole nother crazy standard. And the only way that you can get out of that is relationship and is stepping into the love. And so, so Jesus offers this, like, I can completely separate you from that thing and you can come and be mine. And so in the kingdom culture, um, those of us who are citizens of heaven, uh, like Jesus says, those who have been forgiven much will forgive much, right? And so you have this whole idea of like, we should be forgiving as if it never happened. It has no bearing on how we treat you. We're not keeping you at an arm, arm's length or anything like that, but it's like literally as if it never happened. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that being forgiveness, that being a kingdom value, that being something that Jesus constantly is representing to us if you're actually in the kingdom and you understand how you've been forgiven, you understand that you are as guilty of hell as anybody else for your rebellion against him, then what you about, should be willing to forgive. What about if I know someone's heart hasn't changed and they're probably going to hurt me again? I should, I should still keep them at arm's length, right? Like they should stay away from me. So first John has this interesting First John is so good, by the way. Recommend reading it. Mm-hmm. But it talks about how God defines love, right? Yeah. And love includes X, Y, and Z. And even in First Corinthians 13, it talks about love, like keeping no record of wrongs and all this stuff. So God's standard is the standard of love, which includes forgiveness, like we're saying. Uh-huh. And so we have to have Jesus' definition of forgiveness in order to be loving. And First John says... If you do not love your brother, a.k.a. it does not look like how I have defined love, how I have shown you love, how I have related love to you, like, then you have not seen God. You have no part in him, which is super intense, right? And so we have to, one, start with our relationship and understanding how the Lord relates to us and loves us. And then that will translate to how we love people. Yeah. And so if you're holding somebody at arm's length, you have to recognize Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus, like I said a minute ago, comes in, is dying on the cross for people who will never care about him, and then even now continually pursues us to the extent that he gets hurt over and over and over again because we run back to the world and we run back to old and familiar things. We're like a dog returning to its vomit over and over and over and over again. And he still puts himself in that place. And that's kind of the whole, the whole story of, uh, what's that prophet? Jose, Hosea, Hosea. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of like that whole deal. 
And we see God just constantly pursuing Israel in the Old Testament, even though they they just keep running yeah. away from him and keep, in a sense, like, if you, he's so jealous and it, like, breaks his heart, but he keeps putting himself in that position. If you don't know, Hosea marries a prostitute named Gomer, and she keeps leaving him, and God keeps telling him to go back and marry her again. Yeah. And, um, yeah, now I... I know I have friends who have unhealthy relationships that they keep going back to. But the issue isn't forgiveness here. It's not forgiveness that's hurting them. It's a lack of connection with God. Codependence. And yeah, that's where codependence comes into play is you're trying to find some other thing that's going to fulfill you other than God. Yeah. And you're opening yourself up for more damage there that isn't coming from a place of love and isn't showing love to the person that you're quote-unquote forgiving. So that's not forgiveness. That's a lack of the love of God. Yeah. yeah. It's you. There's no condemnation in what I'm saying, but you need Jesus. That person is never going to fulfill you you can't fully forgive them until you no longer need them because when you don't need them anymore, then you'll realize how much forgiveness you need to give to them because once you don't need them, you'll be frustrated by all the pain and damage they've caused you, but you need to bring that to Jesus and he'll show you how to forgive and how to move forward and then you can love them from a healthy place. Yeah. Right? And then that's when change comes. Like, um, I couldn't find the story, but... Michael was telling me he's heard a few a collection of different stories about um girls who were raped and then felt led to reach they out. felt the Lord calling them to reach back out to felt the Lord calling them to reach out to their abusers and to offer forgiveness and extend friendship and through that the love of the Father and the extent of the forgiveness of God towards people who hurt him and who reject him, you know? Yeah. And so if there's even a chance that the most terrible person is going to find forgiveness and relationship with God because there is absolutely no reason that I should still love them, but I do, then I want that to happen. And that's a value of the kingdom of heaven is... I am in relationship with the Father. I understand the consequences. And I've prayed through this, and I really do feel like God is leading me in this scenario to move back into this relationship and show love and forgiveness. Then, by all means, do that. Yeah. And I definitely think that that's the Lord's heart. Don't just go and do it because you think you can or because we're saying that that's what God wants. <laughs> yeah. You need to come from a place of love first. You mm-hmm. need to be secure in the Father. And you need to understand his forgiveness for you. Like there's a lot that needs to happen in your heart. You should probably talk to um a mature Christian friend and process with them before you do anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um just staying out of harm's way for the sake of staying out of the harm's way is not jesus yeah yeah i think it's worth noting that like jesus was solid in his identity yeah as he came to do this and like 100 like, he was okay with watching people walk away yeah he was okay with 
on on some level with like people rejecting him and people doing the things that they did to him because he knew who he was. Yeah. You know, because he had this aspect of like <laughs> the father being like, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And that was the place he was Man. operating from. Like he's sitting at his last supper with his disciples. He's like, here, Judas, have a piece of bread. Yeah. Go do what you need to do. Yeah. You know, he's not like, throw this man in prison, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and he probably knew for a while that Judas, this was like in Judas's heart. And yeah. he still is like relating to him. And it's like, I'm sure he was like yeah. pouring all kinds of love out on him. And you'll note, he washes the disciples' feet before he dismisses Judas, doesn't he? Yep, yep. So he washed Judas' feet. That's crazy. Just keep that in mind. Man. I'm not even saying I'm getting that I'm... I'm <laughs> that's the point here. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm the forgiveness guy. Like, I <laughs> yeah. still have unforgiveness that I'm working through because it's harder than it sounds when we're saying this in theory. Yeah. Like, this is... Again, this is what we're aiming for. This isn't what we need to hit in order to be Christians. This is what we aspire to. This is the fullness of God that we're pursuing. Yeah. But, but we are pursuing. And I think that's a big thing to note with all these things. You might be like, man, I, I don't love people very well or something, but the point is not try harder to do the thing. Like don't try harder to forgive. Like instead go be with Jesus and understand like that first John I was talking about, like it starts with like, it's not how we loved God, but how he loved us. And so yeah. everything has to flow again from his love, from the relationship, from intimacy with him in those things. Oh, man. The whole point of this episode is this is the extent of God's love. And that's why it's our kingdom culture. Yeah. He's like our monarch, our deity, everything that yeah. <laughs> makes us a kingdom is what he is. And so, you can't love people until you understand the love of the Father. Mm-hmm. So some things Jesus also says about forgiveness that I don't even know what to do with this, but it's he clearly uses the words forgiveness, so he must be talking about it. But um, if you want to like wrestle with these, maybe not make a weird theology out of it, but <laughs> like just ask the Lord about it. But there's a point where he says, if you don't forgive anyone their sins, the Father will not forgive your sins. Yep. What does that even mean? He's like, this is such a strong this value This is such of mine. a big deal. Like, it starts, yeah. like, here. And then the other verse I was thinking of is, whoever you forgive will be forgiven, and whoever you do not forgive will not be forgiven. How does that work? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? Do you remember that verse? Feel free to feel free to send oh, us your theories. And <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> I don't want your theory unless you've prayed about it. But yeah. I'm so curious about how that fits into my understanding of God. So again, we don't have all the answers, but we have all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, man. yeah. It's the most true statement. I feel like we've said this. <laughs> so, our yeah. last like topic that we had for jesus obviously you could talk about jesus all day but we (laughs) want to talk about surrender because that's been a huge thing for both of us yeah um so why don't you tell us about the general idea of surrender and what you how jesus represents that yeah so uh not only does he talk about it but something interesting that has been pointed out recently is that 
Jesus a few times actually seems to mention that his will was somehow slightly different than the Father's, uh, which I think, I don't, I don't even know how to wrap my brain around that, but like when he's praying in the garden, he's like, Lord, if it's your will, like let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So he's basically, and a couple other times where it's pretty much that explicit, Yeah, he's like, hey, this isn't my preference right now, but like whatever you want, That's Father. Crazy. Which I... Again, I do what you want with that. My mind I don't around. know. We have this idea that Jesus is like, ah, oh, yes, of course, being murdered. Yeah. You know, that he's like 100% understands every. But there's like this idea that he had a will too. Yeah. And it was fully submitted to God. And even when the disciples are like, he's like talking to the disciples about like the end coming and, and different things. And he's like, I don't even know when this date is. Like that's the father knows uh, specifically like when he's like, It'll Coming come back. like a thief in the night and that yeah. whole deal, I think. Um, and he mentions that like he doesn't even know this certain time that the Father's coming. Like Only the Father knows, which is just really interesting. Yeah. Um, and do what you want with that. We're not trying to make any kind of crazy systems out of anything. But there's an aspect of Jesus surrendering his deity, surrendering himself to come down and align himself with the will of the Father. And then, so not only that representation, but he talks about it basically constantly. He's like, deny He's like, if anyone would come after me, deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. If anyone wants to save their life, they'll lose it. But anyone who loses their life for my sake will save it. Um, you know, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yeah. uh, and lose his soul? So that whole idea <laughs> is like surrender. And he constantly is talking about like, hey, rich young ruler guy, like, you have to surrender this stuff that clearly means a lot to you because you go away sad. Mm -hmm. Even though you're doing everything else right, there's this one thing, you know? And it, it, he basically is constantly, constantly relating to people like that. It's like, hey, surrender, surrender, surrender. Like, you don't get to do your own thing. And that's pretty much the context of everything. Um, the whole yeah. Bible, like I would say, comes down to just surrendering yourself to the intimacy. If you, if you got my most recent newsletter <laughs> i put that in there as well it's not because i'm like all oh, you need to do better i'm just like so moved yeah. by the level of surrender that god calls us to like he who loses his life for my sake will find it yeah like we don't even know what our life is or where it is until we lose it mm -hmm. is what he's saying it's crazy um so yeah. i wanted to share a story with you about a recent experience with surrender I've been walking through something the Lord's been teaching me. So I felt the, so exactly. <laughs> I felt recently like the Lord was asking me to give up video games. So I was like, Oh, okay. I can fast video games. And he's like, yeah, just go for a month. I was like, yeah, okay. So I went a month. And then at the end of the month, he was like, yeah, you should just go another month. And I was like, <laughs> um, I mean, I guess so, because I don't really care. <laughs> but so then it got to the end, almost the end of that. I didn't make it the whole month. I stopped like a week before the end of the month. But um, there's so much tied up in it. It would take a long time to explain. But basically, um, I like was homeschool. I grew up. I would finish school as fast as I could and go play video games with my brothers. Mm. And like I related to these characters in the game. Um, they were like, you know, 
almost friends in a weird sense of like yeah. my development yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. And like I get super nostalgic and like the end of a video game was always so sad because it's like, oh, there's nothing more. Like I thought my brain thought that I had these relationships that are now gone. So I would like suffer this grief and this loss every time I finished a video game. And like ones that I used to love, I'd go back to as an adult and be like, why isn't this satisfying? Like there's something here. I don't know. I'm trying to hold on to the past or something. But anyways, there's just a lot tied up in there where it's like it was causing me emotional pain that I did not realize. It was distracting me from God. It was blurring the love of the Father in my eyes. And I couldn't see that until he had me give it up a few different times. This last time for two months was the longest. And then after like a week or two of playing video games again and just feeling this really weird funk and like all kinds of messed up and not spending time with God, then I was trying to just put my life back together. And there's one night I was just laying on the driveway, our new driveway that was poured for us here at the base. And it's beautiful. And I was looking up at the sky and talking to him and he was like, do you understand now? And I was like, yeah, I think I do. So that's also a testament to his patience. Like he walked with me through that whole process, knowing the whole time that I needed to give this up, but being like, why don't you just trust me a little more? Okay. Now how about a little more, you know? And then we got to this point. He's like, now do you understand son? And I was like, I think I get it. So he was like, are you ready to just leave it by the wayside and come follow me? And I was like, I think so. I think I can do that. Yeah. So, and then I went like a week. I didn't play. And then I played again for a week and it was just not a good experience. It was, it was a great game until the end was like terrible and really depressing and, basically just brought up all the things I was suspecting of and like gave me more revelation of why it's not good for me. And so, yeah, basically I'm just done. And it's because he walked with me through that. He asked me to give it up and I did it out of relationship, knowing that he has better for me as hard as it was. So just ask him if there's something, you know, he's faithful to tell you if there's something that's standing between you, just ask him. God, is there anything that's keeping me from understanding your love the way that I should? Is there anything that's between us, anything I'm still holding on to that's keeping me from living in complete surrender like Jesus did? Mm-hmm. And if there is, it'll start to bother you, and he'll start talking to you about it like a friend or a father does. You know, a good father, he's like, hey, so I noticed this thing. You're thinking about it all the time, yeah. even during worship. Mm-hmm. Is it? that big of a deal and you can be like no what no it's just video games it's fine they're not bad he's like yeah i know but you know just saying and then over time it's like okay i i'm ready to listen now you know yeah so do you have anything else to say about surrender (laughs) i mean i have like the same thing in the same areas of video games and entertainment in yeah. different forms. Oh yeah, just fictional entertainment in general. Yeah. There's like these weird connections that happen for me that I didn't even realize. So I'm like talking to the Lord about that now, but mm-hmm. that's why he's like, it's time for surrender, Cody. Yep. Which it's always, like we view it as a loss in a lot of ways. It is a loss. Like it is a loss and our brain processes processes it as a loss in the first place. Yeah. But in the end... 
like and what it's we'll a find game. <laughs> it is a game it's like, like paul talking about his filthy rags by yeah. comparison to the and fullness like, of he's God. like man you got to be crucified to the world and the world has to be crucified to you and he talks about like he talks about giving up the garbage that he's been holding on to like yeah. it's garbage in comparison oh, like it's in some level like you hold on to it and you get identity from it and all these things and and it's a loss it's like who am i without it but like yeah and then it's so it's hard and you kind of go through the sense of like reinventing yourself but it's so much better and so much like it's been holding you back this whole time just jesus and so nothing got to be jesus yeah okay there's your identity yeah and so not skinny in, jeans not makeup yep not tractors not or trucks working out or working out or, or coffee literally anything yeah just music jesus even. and yeah we can even get like into these weird things even when, like within church and stuff a lot of times we yeah. get surrender from uh, a lot of different things that aren't jesus and it's not that most of these things are inherently bad in of themselves yeah. i don't think jesus thinks ev- video games are evil in of themselves i don't think jesus thinks you know, coffee or working out or anything, but it's when it takes this place of you getting your identity from it slash it's withholding you because it's like in Hebrews, uh, it's either 11 or 12. I want to say it's 11. Um, I think 11 talks about all the, uh, here's the faith that went before us. And then 12. Yeah, I think it is 12. It's like, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, cast off every every hindrance every hindrance and every sin that so entangles us yeah and run with endurance the race set before us set our eyes on the lord and then fixing our eyes yeah and so there's this idea of like fixing your eyes on the lord and setting aside not only sin that so easily entangles us but just everything that hinders us you know yeah and in first corinthians it says a couple times like you guys say that all things are are permissible but paul basically responds with but not all things are beneficial. Yeah. So we're not going after permissible. We're going after beneficial. We don't have time for permissible. Yeah, exactly. We literally do not have time. If you're over, you know, 40 or 50, you know exactly what we're talking about because yeah. you're the ones who keep telling me that. <laughs> yeah. There's just not enough time. Well, and that struck me one day. I, I worked at a cemetery for like a month uh, once upon a time, and, and I was like – weed eating around the the grave sites and stuff and i came across this one of this kid who was literally born the same day i was and might have been like in the hospital room next to ours or something and it just hit me this craziness of like i'm not promised tomorrow right like i like there's just such a lack of time and i think uh we'll talk about this with um in the next episode but we often assume that we have a lot of time and like, you know. Yeah, it's not a sad thing in the kingdom though. Yeah, it's like not. Having less time is even better. Paul talks about it would be better for me if I go in mm-hmm. reference to his death. Yeah. He says, but it is better for you if I stay. Yeah. So I'm okay with that because I prefer pref- prefer you as my brothers over myself. Like when we die, we're just moving on to an infinite kingdom of god like literally this isn't even comparable and surrender literally is the gospel like yeah like adam and eve chose their own thing rather than surrendering to what the lord had for them and so when jesus comes he's like hey you're trying to do it yourself it stinks whether you're trying to follow the law or you're of the world 
it just stinks. Yeah. And so like surrender yourself to the would, dream that God has for you. I would say surrender is like the exercise of humility. It's yeah. like that's good. When you feel humility, you exercise it by moving in surrender. You're either submitting to preferring your brother, preferring. Why do I keep saying that? You're either preferring your brother, you're either submitting or you're submitting to Jesus, but you are moving in surrender. You're letting go of your own desires and mm-hmm. ideas. But eventually your desires become yeah, for the Lord. Like the, the more Lord, you like, die. Yeah. The more you die, the better. The more you come to life, but actually, <laughs> the more you come, the more you die in the flesh and you come alive in the spirit. Come on. Yeah, so I was also going to say, I don't think video games are bad in and of themselves, but I think it does make the father sad. Like, I know that I was in bondage to it for so long and it was causing me pain as much fun as it was. And then I know I have so many friends and relatives that are like still in bondage to it. And it's terrible because you don't think you are because it's not a bad thing morally. It's just like, like if you knew that something was causing your kids pain, you probably wouldn't feel the greatest about it. Mm -hmm. Even though it's not a bad thing, it's just makes you sad, you know? So I think in that sense, it's probably not his favorite thing. Yeah. Like you could, you could easily say that like people bond over video games, but people bond over marijuana, people (laughs) bond over gang violence, you know, people bond over rioting and looting. It's, it doesn't like, that's not, you can find different ways to bond. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, yeah, it's not a bad thing in and of itself, but we're not looking for what's not bad. We're looking for what's good. Yeah. For what what's is like objectively a positive. Yeah. If we're if we're living if our bodies are in obedience to us, if we're operating in the fullness of the Spirit of God, then we should be able to direct our bodies at what we're aiming for and not just what feels good and natural, you know. It Which reminds, I'm preaching it myself. Yeah. Preaching it myself. It reminds me of uh, watching drug shows with my family. Like, we'd watch, uh, like, Intervention and stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, there was always this person, usually, like, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, usually they have, like, their parents there and siblings and stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, so this child of this parents would be, like, into drugs and into hardcore stuff. They've, like, in a sense, usually ruined their life to some extent. Yeah, um, no, <laughs> But they've they've given up different things that they had going for them, and um, and the parents are like super upset. They they hate watching their kids literally choosing something that's poisoning them, and is destroying their life. And so, if the person chooses to like go through this whole thing and try to like get clean from drugs or alcohol or whatever, um there's a loss there's a sense of like your body wants this and you go through withdrawals that's why you normally go be a part of a program and whatever um but on the outside of that there's so much more life to have and happen you know that it's like crazy and from the outside you can see that that's what's happening and so that's like god looking at us like you're choosing death and you think you want it and you keep going back to it and it's going to be hard for you to get rid of it 
Yeah. But it's so much better, and no, basically nobody would argue that, you know, that's objectively yeah. on the outside. And so it, my life, it's a lot like that. I would testify my life is, I'm still sad because I really like video games, but mm-hmm. it's obvious that my life was better when I was fasting and is becoming better now that I'm surrendering this. Yeah. Like, I have more time for learning to speak Japanese. I have more time for playing guitar, learning to do that. I have more time for, like, spending with Jesus. Like, yeah. there's plenty of healthy, beneficial things that, or just hammocking. Yeah. I enjoy that. That's restful. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not crippling my soul. <laughs> yeah. So there's ways. Yeah. Like, life is life. enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think within all this, um, to kind of move on to the next point is got my friends Michael and Alina. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, but to move on to the next point, like we're talking about getting identity out of things, and the next point we had is identity, and in the kingdom, your identity, um, as we mentioned earlier, is based on the Lord defining you. Like again, yeah. He's the creator, He's the definition of reality. If I create um, a cup and I say this is for a flower pot somebody else can come and say like oh this is for coffee but it's not like i created it i defined it like sure you can misuse it but i defined this as a flower pot gosh darn it so you can <laughs> put Kool-Aid in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you can you can you know use Game it for whatever, works. sponsor sponsor not really <laughs> but so it's it's out of what the lord defines you as and the only way you can know that again is to go back to relationship and to go back to this place of like sitting with the Lord and being like, man, what do you think of me? Like everybody says this, everyone says I'm defined by all these things, but like, Lord, what do you say? And it's in that place where you get to this place, like we were talking earlier, where you can forgive because you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, you love me. And you say, I'm your son. And like that person called me an idiot or something, but like, it doesn't even matter because that's not what you say about me. So like it just bounces right off of me, you know? Yeah, is at least like what I'm we're working towards. Your glue. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about things that elementary school kids say earlier today. Yeah, <laughs> just reminiscing. And so, yeah, like just I don't know everything being based out of you being his. Like God's like, I want to be your dad. Everything comes out of this place. Like your identity is not literally anything else. It's not how much you read the Bible. Even it's not you going to church. It's like you in the eyes of the Lord, which strips away everything else. And that's Uh why he calls us out of these things, because we get identity from these things. Yeah. You know, so everything that's not what he made you to be. Yeah. So if you love playing the guitar and in talking to him in relationship, he's like, yeah, I made you to be good at the guitar. And like, that's part of the identity that I've given you. Hold on to that then like you keep doing that like but it's not the guitar in and of itself that is your identity it's the fact that that's what god made you you know that's how god made you and that's what he told you you know yeah i think one thing to note i've often heard people say like well i'm this or i'm that god created me to do this or god created me to do that and like he might have had that purpose in mind when creating you, but like it is 
I believe absolutely. I'm not a fan of making blanket statements, but this seems to be something that the Lord is constantly showing me for myself and other people, that it is always, 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 always going to start with you being a child. Like if you skip past that, then you need to stop and back up because you might be missing it. Like it is always going to start with like you being created in his image for relationship with him, to sit at his feet, to sit on his lap, to whatever, and just be with him. Like that is always going to be the starting place. And so if you've skipped past that or haven't had like a deep emotional, like revelation of that, that's wrecked your life. Like I would back up and and like really press in and say like, Lord, I want your heart for me (laughs) in that. Yeah. Like the difference here is the difference between saying I'm a guitarist. So if you take away my guitar, I don't know what I am anymore, you know, and saying, I'm a child of God who plays guitar. Yeah. Like, I'm a child first. So good. I play guitar. Yeah. God made me to play guitar. My dad says he likes my guitar playing. It's yeah. what I am, you know. But it starts from being a child. Mm-hmm. And then who does this? Who does that? It's never, Cody, you're an evangelist. Yeah. It's like, Cody, you're a child who's good at evangelism or something. I'm yeah. just, that's just a word. I don't yeah. even necessarily claim that as identity, but for sure. Um, I do claim the child part though. Come on. It's mine. <laughs> well, and that was a big thing for me. And I feel like this is worth saying is like, God never created us for anything else, but to be with him. Yeah. And then everything flows out. And so I had this, um, just kind of analogy that I felt like the Lord gave me where it's like, I'm literally, like, my sole purpose, my purpose is not to be a missionary. My purpose is not to be a guitar player. My purpose is not to to even win souls. Like, my purpose is to is to hang out with my dad, to be, like, a little <laughs> child hanging out with my dad. Like, he does the things. And there's this whole aspect of, like, God going before us and fighting our battles. Like, Deuteronomy, even Moses, who got the law, had this understanding of the Father heart of God and and. Deuteronomy, he says, the Lord wants to carry you like a father carries his child. And he talks a bunch about the Lord going before you and the Lord fighting the battle and the Lord giving you victory and all these things. And so there's this aspect um, of God actually being the one to do the things. And so I had this uh, kind of picture that the Lord gave me of like, I'm just supposed to be a little kid going with my dad. Like like I remember my my physical dad like working on the car, right? Yeah. And I would go and he'd be like, hey, will you get me this tool or will you do that or will you do this? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I felt like I was a mechanic. Like I'm like, (laughs) I'm doing the things too. Like I'm working on the car with my dad. I'm changing the oil. I'm learning how to do the things. And But in reality, it wasn't even me. I was just there, probably a hindrance on some (laughs) level, but like he's putting up with me. And so it's the same with the Lord. Like, like, we're probably he could probably do it better you know but there's this aspect of him like wanting to to like bring us along and work through us and in us and like partner with us and and have us go with him and it's like bring your kid to work day and so this aspect of like i'm going wherever the father is wherever dad is going and i'm going to be with dad and i'm going to do what i see him doing we see little kids mimic their their parents all the time and i specifically think of like if dad is into trucks and stuff, his little boy is probably going to be into trucks and stuff. If dad's, 
going to work and has a suitcase, like a briefcase, like the little kid's probably going to get a briefcase and pretend to go to work, you know? And so we see this in reality, and this is what it's supposed to be with the father. And that's why Jesus says in John 5, he says, the father loves his son and shows his son everything. Yeah. And the son only does what he sees the father doing. Like this is what it's meant to be, you know? And so... I don't know. So, like, identity, like, literally has to start in this place. Well, it's going on about an hour and a half again. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot um, more on this part. We tried our very darndest to get this. <laughs> this is still just the first part. And we tried our very hardest to get it in one episode, but it's looking like it's going to be two episodes of the first part even <laughs> yeah not to mention the second part it's gonna be part one part two <laughs> yep so yeah this episode is getting a little long so we'll probably chop her here and uh bust this up this first part into two parts and then we'll have a third part that's talking specifically at least about a third part american culture yeah at least a third part um it's just so medium we don't want to like yeah do it we just injustice. want you to get all the good bits but we don't want to have a five-hour long episode, basically. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like when you make a lasagna and you got to scrape off all those burnt, cheesy bits on the edges. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> perfect analogy. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll probably go ahead and cut it here. And yeah. So so what's happening around the base, Cody? What is going on? It's new at Wyoming Nash. Well, let's see. So at the time of this recording, there's about 40 students here at the base doing something called Thunder Camp. Thunder Camp. It's a, uh, like, creative worship camp thing. Could you describe it better than that, or does that work? Um, <laughs> I think that works. I mean, that's about the level that Michael Mack explained it on. But yeah, basically, there's uh, a ministry called The Foundry and Harvest Sound. I think Harvest Sound is the ministry and Foundry is the church. Oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, I think that's right. So the ministry is Harvest Sound. And uh, they run like a week-long camp and um, kids come and... Do um, you know what age group they are? They look like uh, older high middle schoolers? school, high school. I can't tell. They all look young to me. <laughs> They're like youth group age. Yeah. So, yeah. It's pretty relative. Yeah. So <laughs> some kids come and um, they like just press into Jesus and some different like creative arts, worship expression stuff. Yeah. Um, and it seems really cool. And from yeah. what I heard, it's super impactful. It's awesome. So if you're interested in that, I would I would definitely check them out. They uh, they come out to the base for the week and stay here and usually do some ministry within that as well. And um, yeah. yeah, it's pretty if cool. You're not, if you're not especially expressive or charismatic, it might be a little weird for you, but... True. But in a good way. Yes. We still come, recommend it. <laughs> come be challenged. It's like DTS, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and it seems really awesome. And I heard some of the testimonies from some of the campers last year, and they were, like, getting wrecked with the Lord. And so, oh, man. It seems like it's I was moving in good. last year when the yeah, camp was Yeah. Cody's I was been like, whole wow, year. there's kids everywhere. I don't know what's going on, but I need to go unpack. <laughs> yeah. And then this year, it's like, wow, there's kids everywhere. Yeah. Time to go to the office. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we were a little more involved, Alina and I, last year, but this yeah. year we're busy with doing the podcast stuff and all that. So they gave me a ding dong and a Lacroix too. Yeah, they Them's actually offered folks. me one. They offered me one a little bit ago. Wow, but it's not soda, so I declined. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So there's that happening. 
Um, we mostly finished the trail to the river. Oh, yeah. I, I personally carved some stairs out of a boulder. <laughs> and I didn't think it could be done. And some mud stairs out of an embankment that are probably going to wash away by the end of the year, but it's fine. See, Cody, why would you ever play video games? You can do Minecraft in real life. Yeah, it's only miserable and <laughs> makes you in pain and agony for the next week. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Chopping stairs. It or does not take you. three seconds to chop out a square meter of <laughs> yeah. dirt, just so you know. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter what kind of shovel you have. <laughs> <laughs> not to say that I actually had a diamond shovel, so oh, man. there's that. <laughs> And uh, as always, we're running our discipleship training school this fall. Got and students spring. And spring. Um, so the fall one starts September, September 20th. 20th. Yep. The spring one starts March 28th. And uh, so what that is is a five to six month training school where you come here to the base. You live in community um, for the first three months, that is. And we bring in speakers every single week and they teach on different topics and um, you really just press into the Lord. You learn about all the things we talk about and more. Yeah. And so it's super great, super in-depth. Uh, it's just a season of coming away. Well, and then the last two months are like going overseas and putting everything you learn into practice, reaching yeah. people for Jesus. Yeah, so the whole thing is just a season of coming away and just pressing into the Lord and, and what his heart is. Um, you know, you'll get taught different aspects and then you'll you gotta come ready though. Go experience it. But yeah, you gotta be ready Showing to press up in. Does not mean any change will happen. Precisely. We would like to hope so, but you have to be ready. You gotta want it. You yep. gotta come with an open heart and an open mind and be like, Lord, I'm here. I will do anything you want me to do. Come on. And it'll be the most amazing and crazy time of your entire life. Gotta be ready to deny yourself, take up a cross, follow him. Exactly. Ask, seek, knock. Yeah. It's your choice, so you got to come ready for growth if you want growth. So we're calling the hungry ones. We're Bring calling. It on. Brum, hello, YWAM Nashville calling. You hungry? Because we've got some food. <laughs> oh man. So I think that might be it. Um, I can't think of anything else. Pretty much. Um. Well, this has been episode eleven. What about fun questions? Oh. Can't break tradition. It's true. All right. Um, let me think. I don't have my notes with me today, but. I said but. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. But. If you could put anything in a time capsule, what would you put in it? <laughs> I'm probably um, I'd probably write a note I actually did a time capsule with my friends once and it occurred to me that I put some lame junk in there that I'm not even going to care about now did you put some of those trucker cards in there? I might have I, 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 um, I put a guitar pick that this band I really liked at the time like had signed and I'm kind of like just sad that I wasted a guitar pick in <laughs> a box on the ground but, uh, yeah, so, but I, I thought it would be way more interesting if I, like, wrote my future self a note or something. Uh-huh. It was like, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm thinking, this is what's important to me, you know. And just as more of a, like, like, now I could look at it as, like, a token of where I came 
from, and I'd be like, oh man, what an idiot, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Punch my 16 year old self in the face. Do you remember everything you wrote on it? Well, I didn't do it. Oh. Okay. So, but I'm thinking I would now, looking forward gotcha. to my like, I could do it and be like my 32 year old self or something. <laughs> 32-year-old Michael. What about you, Cody? Well, let's see. I'd probably put... Some of your long hair. <laughs> Some of my long hair. <laughs> no, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, there was I don't a day. Know what I'd put in there. There was a day. Maybe one of my favorite mugs. Ooh. Um, a drawing. Do you like drawings? A CD, some worship music CDs. Some maybe just some of my favorite CDs in general. Yeah, in general, they're mostly like Christian bands, anyways. You can come back and you can be like, you can either be like, oh, I remember this, or yeah. like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I feel that way about some of my early music, but yeah, and I probably write a note to whoever finds it, like, God is calling you deeper, <laughs> and then just put a Bible in there. Yeah, just like. Yeah, that too. This just was like meant for you. Write down all my theology from right now. Yeah, and then oh, that'd be good. It would, because then if I dug it up in the future, I could be like, "Wow, I was wrong about this and this." <laughs> and this. Or it would be even funnier if, like, after the end of the world, it's still there and God's like, "Hey, Cody, look what I found." Yeah, you want to talk about this? And I'm like, "Oh man, yeah, let's go." But yeah, or somebody else finds it and they're like, "Oh, look." Cody's theology. It'd probably be worse. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, God. But would be like, I was wrong about all of that. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. It might be a good starting point for him. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, if I found a box with, like, a holy book and then some guy's explanation of it, I don't know. Well, yeah, I would probably think that that was about as good as the thing itself because as far as I'm concerned, I found them both in the same spot and they were buried by the same person. I don't know. So maybe I wouldn't do that. Unless it was specifically for me. Basically, I haven't thought about this super hard. Yeah. No I, don't, I don't like have a lot of things <laughs> that I would want to find years later. I might like, if I could, I would bury a game system and then some of my favorite games as a kid and like 80 years old be like, oh yes, I remember this game. <laughs> You're like, is that a PlayStation 2? Huh? <laughs> The Xbox 360. <laughs> yeah. I haven't played that in 80 years. I'm starting to feel that way with like the Dreamcast and stuff now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is like this is old. I was a wee lad when that came out. Yeah. I don't know. Cut out that part. Basically, I don't really value anything enough that I would bury it in the ground <laughs> for <Yeah>. someone else. <laughs> it would be a bunch of random stuff that I don't really care that much about. Essentially, maybe some incense, some bottle caps, a vacuum, a uh, freeze-dried donut, maybe. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, you're welcome. In case yeah. the world ends or some kind of crazy apocalypse. This may be thing. disgusting, but it's the last donut you're ever going to taste. Maybe vacuum, like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Freeze-dried. Yeah. Well, good talk. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just, so, thanks for... Be with us in episode 11. And, yeah. Uh, we'll see you in episode 12, I guess. Yep. We've got lots more interesting things to talk about. True that. Kingdom of Heaven, it turns out, is a pretty interesting place. 
Yeah. You want to be there. That. You do. Be there or be square. And the invitation is open. It is always Surrender. open. That is part of the culture. Inclusivity. Hey. But we'll get to that. Come and, come and get it. Peace and love. Peace and love. And love.